And now for something completely different. Welcome to Shout Out. Out of the closet and into your ears. Hello and welcome to Shout Out. I'm Ali Shilton and she's the lovely Steph Barnett. Today on the show, we take a feature-length look into the recent court case around puberty blockers. Uh, we'll give you a rundown of what's happened, plus we'll be speaking to Susie from Mermaids. And Freedom Youth will be saying hello and letting us know what they've got planned for 2021. All coming today, right here on Shout Out. So, hello, off your rocker, Steph. How are you? Um, I've got off my rocker, yes. Um, it oh. actually lifts me out electronically. Uh, from the land of Narnia, Tara is here. Hello. Uh, hello. I'm in the wardrobe, yeah. That's quite Andy, great. from that hole. That's hard. Oh, uh, lovely yes. Terry under the, under the stairs. I was going to say under the closet, under then. The that's stairs. not quite true. <laughs> <laughs> I should, he, he That's been a fest- long time, a long, long time. <laughs> well, we should all be in very festive spirit thinking about pantomime themes if we're going to be... Out of the the closet and into your ears. That could could be work, couldn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say, it is that time of year to go and spread the joy of pantomime and and cheery Christmas cheer. (laughs) (laughs) One time of the year where Steph doesn't dress like the dame. (laughs) That's very true. I don't like pantomimes. It's full of gay people. (laughs) Absolutely. If you go back back far enough, you get Mama's Plays, which were mm. also around at this at uh, this time of yeah. year um, during the sort of time of wassailing and things like that at the mm. end of Christmas. Well, I mean, this is our, our last um, uh, our last um, kind of like uh, I know it's pre-recorded, but live type of show um, um, before uh, the end of the year. I mean, we're only pre-recording this day before just because of COVID. But um, next week is our Christmas cracker, which is hilarious. Yay, uh, yay. You've got to tune in, and listen to that. Uh, then the following one, we've got a recap of the whole year uh, before we'll be back with you live in. January hopefully in the studio don't know yet so uh, anyway a packed show coming up a very special one as well we're, we're talking to mermaids um, Terry will be filling us in on what's been going on in the news and, um, and we've managed to get a lovely interview there but first off uh, let's say hello to our friends at Freedom Youth My Five on Shout Out Hi everyone, my name's Natasha, I use she and her pronouns. Hi, my name's Henry and I use he and him pronouns. And we are from Freedom Youth, which is part of OTR Bristol. Freedom Youth is a gender and sexuality project which works with young LGBTQ plus people aged 11 to 25. Freedom offers groups, one-to-one sessions, workshops, work in schools... We do training and consultancy um, and then we work with Bristol Hate Crime and Discrimination Services and the Voice and Influence Partnership. So all sorts of different things that people can get involved in across the city. And both Freedom and OTR are very much um, part of creating communities. So it's around creating safe, supportive spaces for young people, um, which are free to access and self-referral. 
Now this year, Freedom is celebrating our 25th birthday. So we were founded in 1995. um, And whilst loads has changed during that time, of course, um, there's also some really key elements that have remained consistent for Freedom throughout that, that time. And as part of our 25th birthday celebrations, our members created a film. We offered a whole range of different activities and still continuing. Um, So do check out our socials, which are at Freedom LGBTQ. And that's on Instagram, on Facebook and on Twitter. And get in touch with us too. If you've got any memories of Freedom, Mm -hmm. whether from yourself or just from that point in time, we'd be really keen to hear them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Another way in which we're celebrating our 25th birthday is through doing this. So we are super excited that Shout Out have offered us um, a slot every month. So there's going to be five minutes every month where someone from Freedom will be coming on and telling you a little bit more about what we're up to, um, what's going on in the city, what might be going on more broadly for LGBTQ plus people as well. Um, And that's something that we're really, really excited to be able to do. So a massive thank you to Shout Out for offering us the opportunity. We love you, Shout Out. You're amazing. Um, One of the things that is really important is at Freedom, everything is led by our members. So the young people who come along to our sessions within our kind of projects, we have a whole range of staff and volunteers, all of whom want to create change, create communities. Um, And part of this podcast will be about hearing their voices. So each month there'll be a different theme, but those themes will be chosen directly by the young people who access freedom. And the young people will be creating the content as well. And sometimes it'll be the young people that are delivering the sessions. So we've set up a couple of sessions over the next couple of months um, for them to feel equipped and empowered to do some work on the radio. Um, And you'll have different voices talking to you about what's going on for us every month. And that's really exciting. We're really excited to be working with Shout Out, but also we're really excited to kind of share some of the messages and work that we're up to in the city and beyond. Um, So we have our fantastic peer representative team who are Zoltan and Naomi joining us next month. Um, And you might have heard last month we were talking about Hate Crime Awareness Week. We'll use these kind of opportunities to talk about events that are going on in the city in Bristol and beyond and issues and topics that are important to the young people and members who access freedom absolutely so if you would like to find out a little bit more about freedom or a little bit more about OTR more broadly you can either visit our website so it's www.otrbristol.org.uk or if it's specifically freedom that you're interested in drop us an email which is lgbtq at otrbristol.org.uk And as we said before, everything is self-referral. Young people can sign up online. We work with those 11 to 25 across Bristol and South Gloss. And OTR has a whole range of different interesting and exciting projects on offer. Um, We have been virtual throughout this year, and that's something that is new for us, but also really exciting and important um, because actually freedom hasn't stopped and freedom won't stop. So we are really looking forward to kind of thinking and talking to you more over the next few months about what freedom in the future is going to look like. And one thing that's really important for you to all know about freedom is that we're a no labels project. So we'll never ask anyone um, what it is that brings them to freedom. It's enough for someone to say that they want to find out a bit more. And that's all we need to know. Definitely. And 
you will be made really welcome. And if even if not for yourself, please do keep a note of our kind of project, which is Freedom LGBTQ at OTR Bristol um, and get in touch and share and talk about freedom, because that's one of the best ways in which we can pass on our message. And if the information isn't for you, it might be for someone you know, it might be for someone that your friend knows. Um, but yeah, everyone is welcome. So we look forward to spending some more time with you moving forward. If you have a story you could tell in five minutes, get in contact. Visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shout out. LGBT radio for you. There you go. That was uh, the new Justin Utley uh, single, that one. Uh, what do you think of that, Steph? Lovely, isn't it? It's called uh, All Is Bright. Yeah, I've been playing it on the, the commute shows. Um, so, yeah, I really love it. Very festive. Yeah, of course, there was no pride this year, so we, we, we didn't get to see Mr. Utley, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure we'll catch up with him again in future years. So. Yes. Yeah, uh, now, right. one thing that has been a very hot topic um, in the press recently is the issue around um, beauty blockers um, that seems to have hit the main headlines. Uh, to give us a bit of a summary of what's been going on, Terry, you've been doing some research into it, haven't you? I have, and as we reported the other week, the High Court has ruled uh, that... Um, young trans people uh, um, are not going to be able to access puberty blockers without the direct intervention of a court beforehand. Now, the the statement is available to read online. You can read it in in full uh, on the uh, government's own website. Uh, But the uh, statement I've got here, this is an extract from The Guardian, said that the High Court said it is highly unlikely that a child aged 13 or under would be competent to give consent to the administration of puberty blockers. It is doubtful that a child aged 14 or 15 could understand and weigh the long-term risks and consequences of the administration of puberty blockers. Now, uh, this has had a very profound effect, as we're going to hear in a little while, on many trans young people and their families. As we reported um, last week, um, the person who bought the um, case against uh, the Portman and Tavistock, or I beg your pardon, Tavistock and Portman NHS Foundation Trust, which runs the gender identity clinics effectively uh, for the NHS in England. Now, this court case was bought by somebody who does have links to, shall we say, more um, certain types of feminists who don't like trans people. I think that's fair to say. And that's now been reported by Pink News as well. Uh, and this person said that they uh, were a, a detransitioner or someone who had not gone through with their treatment. So um, the reactions are, according to Reuters, that British LGBT plus groups, switchboards and so on, have received a surge in calls and emails from children and their parents following the court ruling. Calls to uh, the LGB foundation, uh, sorry, the LGBT foundation in Manchester are trebled on the same week last year, said a spokesperson 
uh, last Friday and uh, Susie Green from Mermaids who we'll speak to a little bit later said people are literally panicking we're just trying to keep on top of it to keep our service users in a position where they feel informed Trans Radio UK our partners a community radio station which broadcasts this show said that uh, its helpline TRUK listens has also seen an increase in calls so this is going on across the board um, we know of places that are now talking people that are now talking of crowdfunding to access uh, private therapies or even go underground uh, which is very so, worrying when, when it which starts of course to hit yeah, that, that, that kind of thing I mean we're, we're very lucky here at Shouter we, we've got quite a range of um, people on the, on the team and of course um, Tara and Steph you're, you're both trans can you tell us a bit more that, that you've heard about it and, and, and your thoughts on um, the impact that this is having Tara um, well I think the thing i I'm really aware of it. It's not easy to get to the Tavistock in the first place. This whole process is so hard for people to ch- attain and get access to. You know, they're over. You know, it's only about, what I read about 116 people a year are given hormone blockers. That's not a lot mm. of people. But uh, I, I don't, I'm not fully understanding because I didn't think there was any harm in. Um, taking hormone blockers I thought the whole point was that it was something that you took to prevent puberty so you could make an informed decision as an adult as to whether to transition or not and the whole point was to allow you to wait to be an adult to make that decision so I I don't understand why they want to take this away I think what they're arguing sorry Sorry, Tara go on you go it's basically a pause button I mean that's how it is I mean the main risks are reduced bone density and future fertility I mean that's the two risks but they can they monitor that I mean it's not like you know you give you're not giving them and then not checked out you know it's a regular checking process to make sure that people are given the right dose and then am I correct in saying if you then decide you don't want to transition um, after you, you hit um, like 18 or so if you just stop taking the puberty blockers you then just naturally go through puberty yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So Absolutely. how many do, do we know? Because I believe this was kicked off by um, someone who detransitioned. I don't know if that's even the, the correct term. Forgive me if it's not. Um, but is there a high percentage of people who do that, 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 that has led to this decision? Or do we feel there's an ulterior motive behind this? Well, I think mermaids are talking about 1% detransition. I mean that's a. I mean, if you had any other form of NHS trust process, and you had a one percent rate of, you know, of not uh, that would be seen seen as a success. Surely, that's what I kind of think. Yeah, because at the moment, Tara, there's um, over ninety nine percent success rate, and as you say, any other operation or uh, facility that the NHS gave to people had over 99% uh, uh, success rate would be seen as a massive success with no questions. In terms of... In terms of ulterior motive, I think it's worth noting that uh, I think yesterday Pink News, which is the UK's largest LGBTQ newswire, said that the groups uh, that had bought... Uh, the uh, the case against the Tavistock um, had fundraised ninety five thousand pounds to to find, which is a lot of money to finance their case. So clearly, there are some people who have uh, you know uh, 
a very strong feeling that they want to stop well and a lot of money and jk rowling is uh, is has got a lot of money she is a very rich person and able to fund this this is she one of the ones that's funding this do we We, know that for certain that's that's not clear at uh, at the moment but um watch uh, what you know keep keep abreast of the lgbtq news wise Mm. Well, I mean, it's a really hot topic at the moment, isn't it? Um, you know, I'm, my, yeah. my concern is if if they do go ahead and they stop it, what, what is the impact? Not just the mental side, but surely it means that people's bodies will go through puberty and it will make things an awful lot harder down the line than it would do if they were prevented from going through puberty in the first place. That must have quite a serious effect both on the body and your mental health. I think mental health, yeah, I just think mental health is going to skyrocket. And um, thanks to um, uh, organisations like Taurus, Talk to the Rainbow are going to be there. But we're going to need an awful lot more now. Mm. Well, And I think um, it's suicide and self-harming. I mean, that's the two things that are going to explode again. Well, we are going to keep this up. Um, we're going to talk to uh, mermaids, um, to Susie, very, very shortly. Um, so stay with us. Uh, you're listening to Shout Out. We'll be back in a minute. This is Showtech News on Thursday the 10th of December 2020. You may not have come across the name Suki Delacroix before but the Chicago-based gay activist and performance artist grew up in post-war Bath and from there joined the fledgling LGBTQ press, reporting through the turbulent years of the AIDS crisis. Suki relocated in the 90s to Chicago, where he continued to work in gay journalism whilst exploring his own place in the counterculture. He has published several books, and his autobiography is called The Memoir of a Groucho Marxist, a very British fairy tale. Another is an exploration of the early gay and alternative alternative press, entitled Out of the Underground, Homosexuals, the Radical Press and the Rise and Fall of the Gay Liberation Front. This week, Suki joins Mark Felian and Fausto Fernos on the Chicago-based LGBTQ podcast Feast of Fun, where he talks about his life and career and offers his take on contemporary Anglo-American cultural issues such as Gillian Anderson's staggering portrayal of Margaret Thatcher in The Crown. You can listen at Feast of Fun. Still looking around for that perfect present? Well, Act Up New York has a range of merchandise that raises funds for the legendary AIDS and HIV campaigning group, whose influence has been felt widely in the political sphere, from ecological campaigns to anti-racism. They have button badges, face masks and t-shirts, all for sale and shipment worldwide. Visit our news feed for a link to their website. In sporting and local news, both Bristol City and Bristol Rovers, the two largest sports clubs in Bristol, have announced their participation in the English Football League's Rainbow Laces campaign. Bristol City blogs that the Robins, which is the nickname for City, hosted Birmingham City at Ashton Gate in the Skybet Championship, while City women travelled to take on Reading in the WS at Al. The EFL said that rainbow corner flags and substitution boards were to be used by clubs at their selected fixture to highlight the continued support for LGBT fans, players and staff across the game. In addition, the Bristol City YouTube channel interviewed Rob Parry Hall of the non-league LGBTQ football club, the Bristol Panthers. 
Now, the need for a Rainbow Laces awareness campaign was underlined by those homophobes who took to Twitter to attack the English Football League and those clubs participating in the initiative. For a link to the Gay Football Supporters Network and a whole host of resources for the LGBTQ football fan, you can always, of course, pop along to our website and newsfeed. Contemporary culture magazine Dazed meets up this week with Ellie Goldstein, the first model with Down syndrome to be appointed to the catwalks of major fashion houses, namely Gucci. The world needs to accept everyone, whatever shape or size or disability you have, Goldstein says. She has a great message for those of us watching the world of fashion and how it is gradually becoming more embracing of difference in response to new movements of social change. The future of beauty is going to be great, diverse and inclusive, she says. The Dutch expatriate station Radio 4 Brainport reminds us this week that Hanukkah begins. Indeed, its first evening is commencing as our show goes to air on Thursday the 10th of December. The celebration goes on for eight nights and will conclude on Friday the 18th of December. Now, Hanukkah's start falls on the 25th night of Kislev, a wintry month in the traditional Jewish lunar calendar, which usually means that the eight-night celebration falls in late November or early to mid-December. For this reason, it is sometimes referred to as the Jewish equivalent festival to Christmas or Yuletide in other calendars. Indeed, in multicultural areas such as New York's Brooklyn or London's Golders Green, Hanukkah is marked with gifts for children and is generally part of the broad spectrum of celebrations that take place at this time of year. The eight-night feast, however, also has a very historic meaning. It commemorates the victory of Jewish armies over the Syrian Empire in antiquity. Now, it's more complicated than that and involves armies of occupation and counter-rebellion stretching over several years, but in the year 165 before the Common Era, that is also known as BC in Gregorian calendars, the Jewish revolt against the Syrians was successful and their largest temple in Jerusalem, which had been changed to worship the Greek pantheon, was reverted back to the Jewish religion. In secular societies, Jewish people will often celebrate with friends and family with traditional foods such as potato cakes and fried donuts. Dairy products are also on the menu as well. LGBTQ Jews will be sending warm Hanukkah greetings to their colleagues and friends and we have added a useful beginners list to LGBTQ Jewish and LGBTQ friendly Jewish organisations to our web feed. So it's a happy Hanukkah to all our listeners. For these news stories and more, check out our website at showtakeradio.lgbt. For Showtake News, this has been Andy Holt and Terry Starr. Shout out news, national and international LGBT news for you. Shout out LGBT radio for you. Uh, now, uh, today's show, um, obviously, we're talking about some of the things that have been um, very hot in the news at the moment. Uh, you've already heard us uh, give um, an explanation of um, some of it um, that has happened. But to bring us a bit more up to date and to give us a little bit more info about it, I'm very pleased to welcome back to Shout Out um, Susie Green from Mermaid. Hello, Susie. How are you? Uh, hi, I'm good. Thank you. And thank you for asking me on to talk about this. Well, and, and thank you too. It's it's lovely. I mean, I would imagine at the moment it's quite a busy time with everything that's going on for you. <laughs> yeah, and quite a traumatic time as well, because this has impacted um, really quite, you know, significantly on our on our service users, parents and kids. So yeah, a busy and, and quite a traumatic time. 
Mm. Yeah, Susie, could you give us the latest then with the the court the court appeal and where it stands? So we know that the Tavistock are applying to appeal. Their immediate um, application to appeal when when the judgment was first heard on the first of December was turned down. But they are applying, and they have until the twenty second of December to put together, you know, the basis for their appeal. Um, we are hoping that it will be agreed and that, that they can appeal and go forward to, to make an appeal. Um, the next thing that has come out is yesterday, the actual court judgment itself was released. And what the court judgment said on there is that there is a stay. Um, and a stay basically means the judgment is stayed, which means that it's not effective until either the 22nd of December or the appeal date if an appeal is allowed. So what they're saying is, business as usual can commence and they don't have to make any changes. The Tavistock don't have to make any changes to the way that they are dealing with young people and how they are uh, delivering their services until either the 22nd if an appeal isn't heard or the date that the appeal is heard, which will be like would be next sometime next year. Um, this goes in direct contradiction to what NHS England uh, pushed out in the afternoon of the 1st of December, which was basically to say that no young person can get treatment without having a court order. And that applied to new cases. And so any new um, young people who had been, even if they were in the service and were about to go on, on blockers, um, that's all been paused as far as we're aware at the moment. And that's what we're being told anecdotally. But also they applied it to existing service users. So young people who have already been prescribed blockers and or cross-sex hormones. Um, they've said that all of those cases have to be reviewed and this wasn't actually addressed in the judgment at all. So we believe this is over and above what they should have done. And also it doesn't line up with the, what the judgment actually says as of yesterday, which is nothing has to be done until the 22nd of December or the appeal date, whichever is the latest. So we're, we are putting pressure on NHS England to first off explain why they produce something and put something out so immediately when they will have been told verbally during when they heard the verdict that this was stayed until at least the 22nd and asking them, putting pressure on them to actually remove that amendment. Okay. Um, now, th the thing is, am I right in saying that um, private care can still continue? It's just the NHS this affects? It's actually a grey area because we're not entirely sure because the judgment in and of itself applies to treatment. And again, even if it does apply to private treatment, it would be stayed until the 22nd or the date of an appeal. But what they um, are saying is that nobody should have treatment and they're not specifically applying it to the Tavistock. They're saying it across treatment. Now, this judgment applies within the UK and we know that some private providers are offshore. So, where where people stand with that, we're not sure. We're also concerned about how this might be viewed by both pharmacies when it comes to prescribing medication, um, as to whether or not they'll stick with the line of you know the the UK judgment, and also whether or not this will affect the individual's concern. So if a family does access private treatment, which goes against the judgment whenever it comes into force, whether, you know, dependent upon whether or not an appeal is heard and is successful or not, um, how that will impact um, individuals and whether or not they will then face any punitive measures for, for supporting their children to access 
medication privately or if they're a young person 16 and above whether they would as an individual we, we just don't know there's so many gray areas at the moment and all of them are increasing the anxiety that that families and young people are, are feeling with regards to this well i was going to ask you if you if you don't mind because i mean the only thing i've seen in the news has been that um the the person who brought the trial seems quite elated that um this has actually happened and they feel it's a good thing but everything i've heard from others is that's not true when you touched um touched on it at the beginning you said it's having quite a profound effect on on um, um the people you help can you give us some idea of you know how it is affecting them well, to be fair, it's wholesale panic, distress. We're seeing massive anxiety. Parents are reporting that their children are, are hugely affected by this, and it is creating um, a real spiral, a downward turn in mental health. Um, but that's applying to the parents as well as to the young people themselves. And, and we're actually doing a little bit of research into this to actually find out what the impact is. And I don't think it's helped by the uncertainty and by NHS England's amendment being published so quickly. Um, without giving anybody time to, to sort of un understand what the implications properly are. But yeah, we're, we're getting anecdotally, parents are talking about not being able to split uh, to sleep. One parent said that they were sent home for like crying nonstop. One of them said their child has disappeared into themselves and is self-harming again. Um, others haven't told their children because they're scared to. You know, they are literally terrified to tell their children that this, this avenue of support that, that most have been waiting years to access has been ripped away. And they are really scared about telling their children and what the impact that will be on their mental health. Um, Susie, uh, can you give us some percentages? Now, um, obviously, it's weighted um, against this individual. What sort of percentages um, detransition? Um, it's less than 1%. So right. so the courts um, are, are aware that over 99% of children would be affected adversely because of less than 1%. Yeah, well, the evidence was there, but they clearly haven't looked at it. I think one of the things that we have pointed out and that's been highlighted and you know has been picked up again and again was that actually mermaids applied to intervene and we were turned down, but transgender trend who have nothing to do with supporting trans kids and, and their families were allowed to intervene. And also the only actual patient testimony they heard were three um, studies from three young people who were represented in the Tavistock evidence, but they didn't speak to anybody else. So they didn't allow any young people to give testimony themselves in court and neither did they allow any parents to give testimony in court so we believe that the evidence was really strongly weighted against um, supporting trans youth to access timely medical care and the other thing that's a real worry about this is is that basically what it's saying is all other young people are capable of making decisions around medical treatment, no matter how, you know, no matter how invasive or whatever it is in terms of their consent, in terms of their Gillick competency, but just not trans young people. And we believe that this puts a, this, this puts Gillick competency at risk. And this really undermines trans young people as, as being able to, to be able to say what they believe, you know, they should be allowed to make decisions on their own body and body autonomy. And also every young person who goes through the Tavistock service who then is put forward for medical intervention has to have parental percent, parental consent. So what this is also doing is this is basically saying parents and kids don't know best, but that they as judges know better than they do, even though they don't have the clinical experience that obviously is part of that process as well.
Am I am I also missing something? Because my my understanding of it was that this just prevents you from going through puberty, so you can make an informed decision as an adult later on. And if you stop taking the blockers, it, it hasn't done any harm. You you can you know not transition. Yeah, basically that's the truth. What they are doing is, which is which is not done in any other area of medicine ever at all is what they are saying is is that because if you go on to puberty blockers then you are far more well you, you're almost certain to go on to cross-sex hormones what they are saying is that means that you should know about the implicant implications of cross-sex hormones and on uh, surgery because you're more likely to pat to follow that pathway what they're not doing is they're not saying well actually the reason that these young people have been put on puberty blockers is because they're trans and that actually the assessment process is so very thorough that the young people who go on this are trans and therefore they will then have to do consent. Another consent process is undertaken at 16 years old, an entirely different one regarding the effects of cross-sex hormones. And then consent to surgical interventions is obviously 18 plus anyway uh, within the UK. And what they're saying is if you consent to blockers, you essentially have to have the knowledge to consent to every single ongoing treatment from that point onwards. And and I, I honestly, I have never heard of any other form of treatment being treated in that way. And, you know, if you, if so, for example, if you went in and a young person was, was committing to exploratory, you know, something exploratory for cancer, for example, what, what, if you conflate it in the way that they've conflated it within this case, you would have to give them information on what would happen right up until time of death if it, if it was terminal. It is a ridiculous premise and it's based on a supposition that this is a conveyor belt of treatment and that's simply not true. Well, Susie, thank you so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure to listen to your viewpoint and I'm sure that most people listening to this show will actually sympathise with uh, all the young trans kids um, and being trans myself um, uh, and had to go through so much pain and anguish to get where I am today. This is just the worst thing I think that could have ever happened to any of them. Yeah, I must admit, you know, it affected me very personally. It's affected all our staff very personally. Some of them have children who are being treated at the Tavistock. So, you know, the devastation that this has wrought across the community in terms of adults being able to hypothesize about, you know, how they would feel in those in, you know, in those young people's places. But, you know, the, the devastation that it's caused is, is astonishing and quite unbelievable. Frankly. And it sounds sounds like it could get worse too. Yeah, it will. Of worrying. course, it will. Yeah, yeah. If um, this continues and we don't manage, and and the and the decision is not overturned or tempered in some way, this this is going to cause total abject miser misery. And we have already told NHS England that they need to be prepared to provide extra mental health services, emergency mental health services for these young people affected. Um, at the very very least, if this is is you know if this isn't overturned, because you know CAM services have got over 24 months waiting list to, for people to be seen. A lot of them will not see people if um, if it's based on gender identity because they say they need to be seen at the Tavistock. You know the the services that would be pulled in to support these young people. Well, they're already, you know, under resourced and and massive waiting lists. So I don't actually know what they're going to do to support these young people if this if this isn't overturned. 
Um, Susie, before you do go, um, just one point. You say in NHS England, um, are there different rules or um, NHS Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland following a different route? So NHS Scotland have stood firm and said that they're going to continue with their treatment protocol. So NHS Scotland is, you know, it, the ruling doesn't apply to them and they're standing firm and they are going to continue with, with um, what they are doing, which is based on the previous pra- Tavistock model. So they have been very clear that they will not follow this. Okay. And in terms of Wales, Wales is pretty much governed in the it's England and Wales. So okay. we think this will impact Wales, yeah. Okay. Is there likelihood of people going across the uh, the border into Scotland for help? Is that a possibility? They, they can't. No, they uh, can't. Okay. You have to be you have to be a Scottish national to to access those services. Okay. And you know what we what we imagine, and this is something that we is already coming through on on the the research that that we started a few days ago, is that people are talking about accessing it on the black market, going onto the internet going private, finding ways around this for the, for the sake of their children's health. Well, that's where you don't want to go, isn't it, underground? Mm, yeah, yeah. And this is what's what people are being forced to look at now. Well, listen, it's, it's been... It's been lovely, lovely to talk to you. It's really nice to, you know, hear just how much of an impact this is having because I think a lot of people see it on the news and don't really understand it, let alone realise the impact that it's actually going to have. So thank you so much for talking to us about it. Um, I hope we can stay in touch and catch up with you in the new year um, and and as things progress and we find out more, um, yep. um, perhaps we can get you back on the show again if you'd be up for that. That'd be lovely. So Yeah, absolutely. More than happy to. Um, if you are listening and uh, you have any queries or questions, we will also make sure that the link to Mermaids and other supporting organisations is uh, up on our show. But for now, a uh, big thank you to Susie Green. Thank you. For more information about Shoutout Radio, visit us online at shoutoutradio.lgbt. Shoutout. LGBT Radio for you. There you go, uh, Susie there from uh, Mermaids. Lovely to talk to her. Brilliant to get some uh, more information, kind of from the front line, I want to say, but you, you know what I mean. It is, yeah, it's they, a cool uh, Yeah, I mean, it's Susie Green, CEO of, of Mermaids, and they are front line, Andy. They're mm. right in the front line because they are the yeah. biggest um, user um, and help organisation for trans youth. Yeah, yeah, very worrying there about um, um, the, the mental health side. I asked um, earlier at the top of the show, um, you know, is it going to have an impact? And as you heard there, she was saying that they're already um, telling the NHS they've got to provide services for all these um, kids who are already starting to suffer, even though the thing hasn't actually gone the whole way through. And I hope to God it doesn't go through personally. Um, mm. But but yeah. And uh, Tara, did thinking. you say you've seen an uplift as well in the service use um, for the service you provide? Um, so we generally, I generally deal with adults. I'm not trained young people, but I've met a parents. And, you know, and there's real concern. I mean, parents don't do this out of willy-nilly. It's not a thing that's kind of light-heartedly walked into. People mm. really think about these things before, and they go through real turmoil trying to decide how what best mm. works for the kids. There isn't... It's, mm. not a, it's not a kind of, oh, yeah, we'll do that today, you know? Yeah. It must and affect the it, parents as well. I mean, it must have oh, quite absolutely. an effect on them too because it's their kids it's affecting. Well, absolutely. It's like you know, you you, you a, a baby arrives. The first question asks uh, this uh, you ask is, is it a boy or is it a girl? And of course, you know that's just what you know. And then 
you know, years later, the, the child's kind of really struggling, you know, what, whatever age that is, three, four, five, ten, eleven, twelve, you know, with mm-hmm. their gender, you know, and they're trying, to, they're trying to, as parents, they don't want to see the, the children suffer. Is there is there a bigger issue as well? You said um, um, at the the start of the show that it's an awfully long wait just to even get an appointment with Tavistock. Is that not a bottleneck kind of of its own accord? Oh, it's a, it's always been a bottleneck. I mean, the waiting list is two two plus years, you know. And I've heard recently that because of this uh, thing, people are getting the sessions cancelled. They've just cancelled them. People have been struck off the waiting list. You know, and so what they're going to do, they're going to find it elsewhere, and so that's um, where I get gender P, gender GP is a used to be a UK based organization, it's based in Spain now, and parents can reach out there now, and that's what's happening. Oh, so seeking seeking treatment and help in places like Spain and the like. I mean, because my, my big concern would be if people head towards like the kind of like black market side of it, which is. It really, really dangerous and not not advisable at all. No, so Gender GP used to be based in Wales. They got their GMC license revoked, and so they set up in Spain. So right. it's the same team, but they work from a Spanish address now, mm-hmm. and they provide services for trans youth, trans adults. Yeah, and it's kind of it's not the same, Any- but it's there. Any which way, though, I mean, the the whole point of our NHS system is that health and healthcare is available to everyone. And surely if you were to seek to do this privately, it would cost a fortune. I'm not sure. I mean, I I don't know what it costs for hormone blockers. I know what it cost me, but, you know, that's a few years ago now, you know. It was kind of... I could cope with what the finance was, you know, and I know people spend, what, 100, 150 pounds a month on hormones, you know, and blockers, it just depends, and that's adults. I don't know what they cost for the blockers that gay children have, unfortunately. Don't have that to hand. Mm. Well, fingers crossed it doesn't go through um, and um, things can carry on as they are because albeit with the weight I know that Tavistock has done uh, wonders to help a lot of people um, over the years and hopefully that'll continue and expand in an ideal uh, world so uh, but I'm sure we will keep um, on it um, as you heard Susie has said that she will keep us abreast and we'll try and catch up with her in the new year and hopefully fingers crossed we'll have some good news um, but any which way we'll try and touch base with her then too so um, and a big thank you to you, Tara, and um, obviously to you, Steph, as well, for talking yeah. about it because it is. Oh, it's, I know it's something that's very close to both your hearts too. So, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. You, you know, people are transitioning earlier and getting on with their life at a younger age. They're no, no, people aren't doing it in their middle age now. People are doing it in their teens and twenties now. You know, that's, yeah. that is what's happening. Yeah, there's no reason to say if if you didn't and you're a teenager, you, you shouldn't, because, you know, um, yeah, if you decide, decide in later life that you should transition, then you, you still should. Yeah. So. Well, there's Everyone's people transitioning in 70 and 80. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Everyone's an individual on um, a different journey, Andy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, fingers, fingers crossed, so... 
Um, anyway, we're nearly at the end of our run of um, shows for the year. As I said, Christmas Cracker next week. Yeah. Um, that's quite a fun show. Um, we, we recorded that a little while ago. I, I didn't stop laughing for a week while I was there to see that one. Um, uh, a few little secrets uh, revealed about the team there, aren't there? So. There was, yeah. Uh, we got some new stuff as well coming for next year. Uh, um, we've got um, Off the Record Freedom Youth joining the show. Yes, uh, we had them earlier on. Once a month. And we've got a new segment called Queer Story or Queer Story um, History. So we're looking at the history of the LGBTQ community, and that will be a series once a month. Really cool. interesting. Cool. And um, there's this, this, um, we've we still got quite a few continuing with us, haven't we? Hedaya's uh, um, <laughs> continuing with us, yep, uh, those queer with scientists. Um, well, that's going to end the queer science, and queer street will, will take over queer right. science. Uh, Brigstow will, will continue with us. Oh, we're we're using just like us and under the brolly, mm. but for good reasons, we should point Absolutely. out. Absolutely. They've gone on um, leaps and bounds, and they've, they've grown big enough now to stand on their own two feet and they've got their own podcast and, and video cast um, um, and the same with Just Like Us it's been lo- well, lovely to see them lovely to see them grow grow with us they sent us a very, very, very nice email saying uh, thank you for all the help so um, but uh, yeah if you if you did enjoy that um, they are still around so um, uh, do, do have a Google um, and um, I'm sure you will find them so anyway that just leaves Christmas presents has everyone got mine? Uh, <laughs> no, maybe not. That's it for another week. If you are concerned or have questions about the trans issues we've covered in today's show, you can find links to Mermaids and other support groups on our website. Just head to shoutoutradio.lgbt and look for today's show. Um, as I said earlier, we're back next week with our extra special Christmas cracker. Um, a bit of fun to wind down the end of the year. Uh, but from myself, from Steph, from Andy, from Tara, from Terry and the rest of the extended team that can't be with us here tonight. Say bye-bye, everyone. Bye! Shout out. LGBT Radio for you.